Ah, we live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's only two of us. So get ready to see these faces for a little bit. So I'm going to get the intro. Welcome everybody to episode 330 of Technical File, the sports podcast you never knew you needed. And it's your boy, T-I-M-K-I-N-Z, the number three, a.k.a. Ask Catch Me, a.k.a. Mr. Give It To Me. It's just the two of us. <laughs> oh, Lord, here it goes. Uh, I am the Eric J, only known as the Eric J. Um like I said, it's only the two of us this week. Camille and Ken are out. Uh, send them both your best wishes. Um, feeling under the weather or just taking mental health days, uh, which, you know, we all need sometimes. So it's understandable, but we're going to try to hold it down, right, Tim? Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, before we get into any other sports talk, uh, we need your help. You know, we need to see what that word of mouth do. <laughs> we need you guys to spread the word. Uh, I don't want to be blasphemous, but, you know, share the gospel of the Technical Power Podcast. Open uh, we, got deacons, we, got, we got deacons and bishops up in here, so it is a religious experience at times. <laughs> um, but uh, every week, we're actually a little bit early, but every Tuesday around 7 o'clock, this week it was 6.45 um, Central Time, we do go live on YouTube. We need you guys to please tap in. Um you know, we have a fun time with you guys in the comments. We got Jeff already in here saying, "What's what up, Jeff?" Um, I also saw that Jeff did uh, retweet our announcement saying that we were going live. So we appreciate that, Jeff. Uh, be like Jeff. <laughs> That's the thing. What do we be like, Jeff? Be in the comments, retweet the show, like, subscribe, rate, review, follow us on all our social media platforms. Um, basically, wherever you are, we are. So <laughs> just find us. It's T E C K. N-I-C-K, N-I-C-A-L uh, file. Don't forget the K. Please don't. Um, yeah, we, we, we just need your help. So uh, if you enjoy it, yeah, appreciate you, Jeff. Um, if you enjoy what you hear, I guess that's the caveat. If you like what you hear, share us. If you don't like what you hear, you know, just keep that to yourself. <laughs> I know uh, you like what you see. I know uh, you, you go. like what you see. <laughs> you um. But yeah, no, it, it helps us out. We appreciate it. We are trying to grow. Uh, we saw amazing growth in 2023, and we're trying to double it in 2024. So please, 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 make sure that you, uh, you, you know, you're you're spreading the word of Tech Foul. Um, since it's only two of us, I feel like the game that needs a name will be kind of pointless. It's postponed um, again. Yeah, postponed again. We're gonna bring it back because, like I said last week, I enjoy winning. So. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but with that, I guess we can get right into the sports talk of the week. Uh, let me let me cue up some music. Of course, I'm gonna play some douche. Uh, we got some happy we'll be outside. We'll be outside. Oh, okay, church. <laughs> I like this. 
I don't want it to be too overpowering, but you know, the tunes in the background. Nice little vibe, man. For sure. Uh, I mean, I guess, obviously, the top story of the week is the Super Bowl, the 58 <laughs> Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs defeated the San Francisco 49ers for the second time in four years. Um, this time in overtime, a game-winning uh, touchdown from Patrick Mahomes to Miko Hardman. Hardman, yeah. He was on the team. <laughs> Yeah. Shout out to him. He usually comes uh, back in the clutch in those moments like this. Like, literally, like, just, you need a nice little clutch touchdown or a random trick play or a random one-off. Like, it was a good play, honestly, to win the game. Like, it was it was a nice little in-and-out joint. He was left wide open by himself. Like, I know they complain. Some players are like, oh, I didn't know the rules for overtime. And that, that is a coaching issue if you did not. I know they tried to run that back, but no, you said it first. You said that and you meant it. You said y'all ain't no rules. That's up to the coaches. Meanwhile, Kansas City players like, yeah, we had presentations every week. <laughs> Let us know what the word was. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Shanahan, you know, he spent so much time feeding into his own hype about being an offensive genius. So he's in there kinking around with plays and making sure, like, you know, he can scheme it up. Got coaching one on one, which is make sure that your players know the rules, player. All of them, <laughs> the whole night, even the new ones. But yeah. did you enjoy the game? Uh, it's football, so <laughs> it's football without the Packers. So there's there's a you know there's, there's a cap on like my enjoyment level. It was fine. The first half was a little boring. Um, I know you like defensive struggles, but that was just, that was my type of game. That was my type of game, bro. Like, yeah, the, the defensive struggles is honestly it was one of the, so you have the number two and three defense in the league going against each other. So it's like you expect things to happen. Like you expect fumbles, you expect picks, you expect the big defensive stops. You expect kind of honestly, like it's hard, it's hard for you them to get the points on the board. It'd have been a damn shame if we went in halftime when the grown man couldn't like the scoreboard, but thankfully we didn't go in halftime zero zero. <laughs> what up, Jake? Brother, you 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 cannot use that for halftime. Like it, a, a game, I'll give you a pass. Hey. Like you, you shouldn't get shut out. But it, it was, half, it was struggling. <laughs> it was a struggle, but again, it's kind of expected with those the, the two teams that was going against each other. You would you don't expect a shootout. I, I mean, it's expected to a point, but it didn't even necessarily feel like it was great defense. It just felt sloppy and undisciplined for a lot of it. It was like I get that too. The offense is more so beating themselves than the defense is locking them down. Lots of holding calls. Yeah, it was like a lot of penalties, like the the fumbles and the inter. Well, no, it wasn't the interception in the first half, but the fumbles were just like kind of self, not necessarily self-inflicted, but it was like that. Sh- that shouldn't have happened. Like I know on the Chiefs one when they were in the red zone, like the tight end completely whiffed on the block, and it's like. That's the type of stuff that you cannot have happen in the Super Bowl. Like, you need to be tight. Like, I get it. If somebody makes a great play on the ball, tip your cap to them. But, like, you can't miss that block. That's a key block and a key point in the game. And that's why, allegedly, (laughs) according to Tony Romo, at least, that's why Tyrus Kelsey went off on Andy Reid. Um, He's like, keep me in the game, and that don't happen. But, I don't know. Like I I said, the first half was kind of slow, kind of sloppy. Um, but then, like the fourth quarter into overtime, like, you know, 
that's the stuff that you love to see. So, unbalanced. Like I think it was, it was, a, it was one of the Super Bowls of all time. I wouldn't say it was one of the greatest or one of the worst. It was right in that middle. And have the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I get it. Like, I mean, there was well, almost 125 million people watching. Like that's the Super Bowl of all time. How many of them were Swifty? I mean, probably like 60 million of them. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like. And that's why they kept showing the box. So, and I made mention of it last week when I was like, you know, I don't really, there's those that be like, well, they only showing 30 seconds of Taylor Swift and everybody uh, going crazy. Like, no, they're not only showing 30 seconds of Taylor Swift for one. Don't do that. Two, there was a prop bet for over or under five and a half appearances by Taylor Swift. They showed that woman eight to nine times that game. I wouldn't know. I was taking shots after each one of them. That, that's on you. If you thought they were, if you thought CBS was going to limit <laughs> their exposure to five times, like I, I don't even bet, and I would have took that bet. <laughs> you just it wanted was, alcohol poisoning. That's all that it was. was. It was crazy. It was crazy. But again, I like I said, I enjoyed it because I, I do enjoy defensive struggles, like I, or defensive games. I, if you have the top two or top three, two of the top three teams in the league on defense, I do expect, you know. Not a high turnover race, but I do expect interceptions on both sides. I do expect somebody to maybe get like more sacks on both sides. I, I do expect these things to take place, but at the same time, if you can put points on the board, you see that it's well earned points. Like the the scoring drives, like okay, damn, that was a nice throw. Damn, that was a nice catch. Ooh, they almost got him, bro. He was gone. Patrick Mahomes, he left him in a rushing, bro. He had sixty six yards running. My, my man's was ski daddling. <laughs> like. But those are the things that once they actually scored in overtime, again, it was another one of those. That's why I enjoy them. It was one of those, hey, they put the work in. They was moving, bro. They they were really finding their spots. That was a nice play. That was a nice play. Oh, man. So that's part of the reason why I enjoy it, because you really have to scheme up some things and really have to open up the playbook in order for you to put points on the board in these situations. So I enjoyed that. I, I really, to be fair, enjoyed the halftime show maybe a little bit more than the game. <laughs> oh, 100%. 100%. 100%. I will say, like, to your point about um, Mahomes rushing, like, that was when he really took over the game. Like, if you remember, like, that, it was, I think, it, I don't remember if it was the last fourth down, I mean, fourth quarter drive, or it was, like, the second to last, but it was, like, a point in the fourth quarter where he was, like, it felt like a by any means necessary. So it's like, yeah. hey, if they're not getting over, I mean, if they're not getting open, like, Tuck it and run. Like he he picked up. I, I want to say like he picked up a first down and then like he scrambled on the next play and got like a big chunk play. Yeah, it was like twenty. Like he really, run. you know, like I I don't prescribe to the to the to the school of thought that wins are quarterback stat. Like it's the entire team thing. But like that was an example of a quarterback taking over a game in a key situation. Um, and like to the point I just made, where it's like. He's not in a position to do that if his defense doesn't do what they did. So, like, it isn't just, you know, Patrick Mahomes is so great. He's won three Super Bowls. Like, he's on a great team <laughs> that he elevates. <laughs> but it's not just they have Patrick Mahomes or they want. You know what I mean? Like, I, right. it just feels reductive. Um, but I do want to give credit where credit is due. Like, I think Brock Purdy played a really good game. He did. I thought there was a couple he, times where he should have ran. But... He's, sure, and I think he, you can nitpick it, but like for, from coming from somebody who came away thoroughly unimpressed by him <laughs> in the Packers game and uh, to an extent in the Detroit game, like he really played well. He played under pressure. I think the 
he played under control. I think the one thing about him is that he's really, he seems from the eye test, I haven't looked up any stats to back this up, but he seems to play well, like under pressure. Like it seems like he gets ball, he gets throws off when I'm like, oh, he about to take a sack. You know what I mean? Like it's like he has a man in his face and just like he gets it to his players. Like, so again, credit where it's due, but um, it I mean, was. He got, his, he got into McCaffrey was, a lot. <laughs> that, yeah, that was a go to. To the point where he was kind of ran down by the end of the fourth, going into overtime, like he was gassed because like they had to lean on him so much, both in the running game and in the passing game. Um, hold on, let's catch up on some of these. So Jeff said, "Man, if the Packers beat the 49ers, we'll have two black quarterbacks starting Super Bowl." That is facts because fuck Detroit. <laughs> but the Packers were forced to play for a touchdown at the end of their game against the 49ers because their kicker missed the extra point. Karma came back for 49ers because they were forced to go to overtime because their kicker missed the extra point. So it's like, you know, I think that's one of the things that we didn't really take too much into consideration when they made that rule change, but pushing it back what was it like 20 yards for extra uh, extra point? Because it used to be like, like they kicked it from the two I mean, like, they snapped it from the yeah, two, yeah. and now they're kicking, like, it's like a 33-yard field goal instead of, like, a... Like, it's further. Let's put it that way. I don't have to be specific, but essentially, like, that's... And, like, now you've seen the extra point rates have gone from damn near a certainty to... Yeah. You know, <laughs> you need it's not a gimme anymore. Uh, and we're seeing it, come, you know, come to fruition in that way. So, like, kicking is important. Like, both teams had rookie kick. Both the Packers and the 49ers had rookie kickers who I think will be better going forward, but it's like they were in high pressure spots this postseason and not having an experienced guy came back to bite both teams at the worst times. That's fair. Um, do you think so with this Super Bowl win, do you feel like Mahomes is now in that greatest of all time conversation? I just say this before I continue at 28 years old right Mahomes resume now includes three Super Bowls three Super Bowl MVPs two regular season MVPs offensive player of the year six Pro Bowl selections in six years to answer your question I think he was already there (laughs) I don't think like this obviously pushes him up even further, but I think he was already an all-time great. I think he's already a Hall of Famer if he didn't play in this game on Sunday. Um, like, the, the craziest stat for me, even above, you know, three Super Bowls in, what, four years? Mm-hmm. Um, or five years? Um, is that his... <laughs> he's either gone to the Super Bowl or lost in overtime, and those are his, like, in all of his playoff games. So... It's like he's never been beaten in a playoff game in regulation. That's wild. That's that wild. wild. With this being the first year he was on the road the entire time. Like this but is one of the greatest runs that we've seen. Like obviously coming out of the Brady Patriots era, like there's a very high bar, but like in a short period of time, like this is one of the greatest short runs that we've seen. I was talking to one of my coworkers about him today. Um because, I mean, honestly, if any, if you took his name off and just kept his resume, anybody would automatically vote him into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. 
Like my man, yeah. like just today, like he's done today. He's in the Hall of Fame. It's crazy. He's only twenty eight. Yeah. Like he can just literally play Mahomes for another a, five. Yeah, just that Mahomes is the first ballot Hall of Famer, and in my opinion, he is better than Brady. I think that. Yes, I agree with the first part. And the second part, I think that he's more talented than Brady. I was there with you, talent-wise. Um, and that even if he has, like, a normal great quarterback <laughs> career on the back end, like, I think he'll still finish there. But I think that the totality of Brady's body of work is still a little bit better. But it's like it's it's like LeBron Jordan where it's like you're, you're comparing greatness. Like, it really it, – it's like – pick your flavor of greatness that you prefer like there's no wrong answers really um like i saw that bobani jones had a really good way of breaking it down he said he he rates peak greatness over longevity so he's like you know it's cool if you like amass numbers and over the course of your career you get you know you sustain greatness for a long period of time but it's like if who was the best at their best and I think that without being a prisoner of the moment, I think Mahomes is the best that we've seen play the quarterback position as he is right now. But to be fair, Kelsey is 36. He'll be 37. Next year is the end of his contract. Next year is the last year of his contract. So I feel like we can retire uh, Kelsey. Uh, so next year is the last year of his contract. He's like 36 already, about to be 37 next year and stuff like that. But if you consider... Reek been gone for two years now, right? So Reek got him one before he left. But he hasn't necessarily had a true number one outside of Kelsey. Like, Bryce developed as the year went along. Yes, he got better as the year went on. He got he developed a rapport with him. Yes. But if you add a guy, like a free agency coming up, T. Higgins is a free agent. You add a guy like him... To the chief, like he hasn't had the like people because some guys that work was like, oh, well, some of this kind of felt scripted. I'm like, bro, he didn't have all of his receivers was dropping shit all year. Like he really didn't have a legit consistent receiver like that until Rice developed and he only had Kelsey really. And even before he scored, uh, when they played the Ravens, that was the first time he scored since week 11. <laughs> so it's like. He has not had that true number one yet. They're still, and the defense helped them tremendously this year. Again, their defense was number two. So it's not like he didn't have no help on the other end of the ball. If you keep the, keeping the score down to 17 to 19 to 20 yeah. a game, like you give him a whole three like touchdowns. I feel like that's been lost on people. I think people still have the previous opinion of the Chiefs where it's like, it's a great offense carrying this team and their defense is the one that they – you know, they just can't blow up for him. Like, no, this is the dominant defense. They defense is crazy. <laughs> um, so, like, like, the Packers, to that point, like, the Packers, I think, are the only team to score more than 20, either 24 or 27 on the Chiefs this entire season. Because I think for a while, they weren't giving up more, more than 22 to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, so, with that, and then you just got to make sure that, and then Mahomes is going to work his magic. Like you get that man too many shots, he gonna he gonna get you. <laughs> you gonna end up out of there, and it's it was a good season for it was a good run. Super Bowl for me officially marks the beginning of the uh, at the end of the Super Bowl officially marks the beginning of the uh, off season. <laughs> like, I'm I'm ready for all the off season news. Cats is getting cut the next day. Coaches moving around, all kind of stuff like that. Um, but before I leave the uh, Super Bowl alone, the halftime show. What'd you think? 
Yeah, I mean, it's Usher. Like, you already know it's Usher. Oh, you, you. No, I mean, I'm saying, like, it's Usher. Like, you, like we, he went through all the hits. Like, he did what he was supposed to do. He, he danced his ass off. Like, he had a couple I was guest about, pops. Like, huh? I was shocked about Caught Up. I, I wasn't expecting him to start that, but people that seen the uh, the residency said that that's how he starts the residency, too. Yeah, it, it, it seemed like, from what I understand, like it seemed like a truncated version of like his residency set. Like it hit like most of the things that he that he goes to there, which makes sense because he did his residency in Vegas. Like he's trying mm-hmm. to show the Vegas show to the world. So again, it makes sense. Like I, I have no qualms. I have no no notes. <laughs> he did what he was <laughs> supposed to do. I was, I was thoroughly inter- entertained. I thought it was. A, I thought it was fun. I thought it was a um, couple things that I. Ken got it. We got oh my god. We we, we called a couple of them. None of us went to the residency, so we called a couple of the songs that was gonna go. I, I felt like even during that whole before, like with the songs that he played, I was like he might as well put good kisser on there, bro. I was I was hurt. Because <laughs> you freaky. I mean, look, he played love in his club, dog. Like, come on now. Yeah, yeah but love in the club was a single. Like, I mean, it was like a massive single. Like, I don't, good kisser was like it, it's around. It ain't. <laughs> it was. It was his. I it ain't a staple of he his. Did, but he like came back. Uh, yeah, I, said, I think he, that was bigger singles when he first came back. Like when he first like reappeared as Usher. Like, okay, hey, we got we got another one. Here we go again. But uh, no, outside of that, the rest of it was cool. Uh, Jermaine Dupree. I don't. I, everybody that I was around, they was like, "Is that CeeLo Green?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We thought that was CeeLo. So wait a minute. No, no, that's damn. That's, that's JD. JD. Why he looking like the ring bear? <laughs> and then like he had the nerve to post that his socks were like Dolce and Gabbana. It's like just Nobody because this designer does not mean that it looks good, fam. Like I need people to realize that. Like just because it has a label on it, that does not justify wearing ugly ass shit. So, my boy looks please. like a ring ring ringleader man for real. Like damn, like triple eye shrine, my nigga. Like God damn, <laughs> like a what is going on? Look like CeeLo Green. Look like uh, CeeLo would probably like, be pissed. Like hey, I would have had to come. Like hey, look, don't don't do that to me. Don't 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 do that to me. You never catch. C- I don't know. I can't say you can't never. You will never catch CeeLo Green wearing some shit like that. That's why everybody thought he was CeeLo probably because that's the shit. That, oh no, that, that, <laughs> that's definitely his thing. That, that outfit is hanging in CeeLo's <laughs> closet as we speak. Like he had that. He had that already. He ain't even <laughs> run out to get That was wild. But he went to go check to make sure JD hadn't robbed him. He probably borrowed it too. <laughs> Let me hold that player. Oh, you got it. You got. it. But no, outside of that, no, it was it was fun. Like it was good seeing Ludacris. It was good seeing Lil John. It was good, kind of like the 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 connection that yeah, his like that's this is number one. So it it was good. It was I, I enjoyed the show. I thought it was fun. Alicia kind of yeah. YouTube is uh they right, edited right. that whole yeah they they edited it all out already. Like the first portion of that show, but. Yeah. Uh, um, it was cool. I enjoyed it. I really did. I, I don't want to get into it too far, but it's just like it's a performance. Like they, you know, like you ain't gonna be hooked up with my woman like that. Like, do you think sex scenes and movies are real too? Like it's 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 a performance, fam. Like, so I agree with you on the performance, but that's a couple times. I was like, hey, hey now, <laughs> like you can you can rub the hips, you can grab the stomach, you can grab the back, but no, it was a couple of those. Oh, okay. My boo, like rubbing on the mug. I'm like, God damn. 
and he just got married too. <laughs> hey, look, if they if their significant others don't have a problem with it, who are we? This to? is true. This is true. How, hey, don't don't get your young or whatever. How you're however that's can you say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like I, I guess like my like the the Super Bowl halftime show lived up to expectation, like I just said. Mm-hmm. But do to me it the Super Bowl feels like it's not as special anymore. And like maybe that's just a byproduct of me getting older and just being more jaded. But like I feel like the mystique is like a little bit gone. Like the commercials don't quite commercial uh, anymore. Merch, like the, the the game doesn't feel as monumental and it just I don't know, like we don't pay attention like the prop bets are like I guess maybe with gambling being legal, it's like before like prop bets would be like a Super Bowl only thing. Like now you basically they're not prop bets necessarily, but you can bet on everything like throughout the regular season. So like that gambling aspect doesn't even seem as that's special and specific to the Super Bowl. Like it just feels like it's not I mean, like obviously people are still watching it. It's the highest rated Super Bowl of all time. Like the you know, everything is still the same, but it's like everything feels more manufactured now, maybe. Like I don't know. It just doesn't hit the set like the mystique is it feels gone to me. Like, I, do you feel that or am I tripping? No, I, I can, I'm kind of there with you because I felt like as a wrestling fan, for example, we watch uh, a crowd. Like the crowd really helps or takes away from a show. I feel like because of the astronomical prices of the tickets, it did. It felt like at times that the the audience was kind of dead, bro. Like it really wasn't the, the big fanfare or whatever. And again, it was a defensive game. A lot of people want to see scoring. A lot of people want to see this, that, and the third. But I feel like if that cap was ten thousand, eight thousand dollar tickets, like you kind of priced out the everyday fan too, or the ones that would have traveled to be there. And it's like, okay, so now you got all of the super rich in there, and they. They too cool for school. They they'll hit you with the yays. <laughs> so I feel like that may have been like, part of it. Right. I, to that point, like I saw a crowd shot of like that last touchdown. And it's like from the end zone, so you're seeing like him running with the touchdown, and like just looking at the crowd that was behind that end zone, it was just like mm-hmm. polite applause. Like you didn't see anybody like throwing their hands up. Like it wasn't a <laughs> celebration really, like of that moment. Like it was just like, a, oh, nice. The game's over. Clap. Good. One of the teams play hard. Good yeah. job, guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it just, I don't know. Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't grab me the way. Again, like I, my feelings on football are well known, but I feel like the Super Bowl should still be special. Like not to bring it to wrestling, but like they still do a really good job of making WrestleMania feel special and grand and like this big thing. And it's just like the Super Bowl is just like. It's another football game. You gotta, it, you know, like we always see the jokes on social media where typically women are like, "Oh, there's a football game at the Usher concert," you know, like, like that's been the joke the <laughs> couple years. But like, that's really what it felt like. Um, and to Shell's point, like, it does feel like more of a corporate event. Like, maybe that's what I'm feeling, and it's seeping into the enjoyment of the game. Because like, even with the commercials, it's like they release them before the game even starts. Like, you yeah, can watch the commercials. Um, you can watch the commercials beforehand, or if you miss a commercial, you can go back and watch it right away. Like before, you had to be glued to the TV. <laughs> I mean, that was out of necessity because we didn't have YouTube and everybody didn't have like Twitter and all these other things where you could just go and look at it if you missed the commercial. Like now, it's like I mean, back then it was like if you miss it, 
you just gotta catch it and become on TV again. Um, so I, I don't know. Like it, to me, it just feels like the mystique is gone. But again, that can just be being, being old and musty. So okay, it, it's it's it felt more money trip. I guess maybe yeah. that's it too. Like you said, a corporate event, but it, it felt more like it's money time than. It's the end of the season, last game of the season. Let's cherish this last game and make it like a thing. Like hell, like you said, the commercials, even the commercials. I'm like, oh, it was only even, what two commercials really that was like, okay, crack it. The movie trailers, which the movie trailers were the better commercials, yeah. honestly. Twisters commercial. I know how you feel. <laughs> Twister is my like one of my absolute favorites. If it's not Idle Wild is number one, Twister is number two. I love Idle Wild. We'll yeah. unpack that later. Yeah. But yeah, about but Twisters. Twisters coming out. I was like, oh, I have to see this. Now it wasn't something that I was expecting, it wasn't something that was needed, sure. But since it's here, <laughs> I'll be there. Um two, well three then, because you did say because uh, just point Deadpool. Deadpool commercial. I was like, okay, I can't wait for Deadpool. Three was the uh the RTV commercial with Stone Cold in it. Like I felt like that was one of the better commercials. <laughs> but everybody had the mullet with the uh well I missed it. Business in the front party in the back. Gotcha. But that was to me, those are the three commercials. Because I'm not looking for another Planet of the Apes movie. <laughs> yeah, and I like I think maybe I put T- movie trailers in a different category because like movie trailers are movie trailers like if it's a movie that I want to see like I'm gonna be excited about it so like that's that's different from like the act like Bud Light commercials or uh, I was about to say Sierra Mitts was it Starry now Starry um, with uh <laughs> they, they talked about or it actually I think it was Mountain Dew because it had Aubrey Plaza and Jay Cargill and Nick well Austin. they both had commercials because okay. yeah, Starry had uh Ice Spice oh Ice Spice <laughs> yeah which I will say like her. <laughs> Between being in Super Bowl commercials and then being in Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift suite, like she's not beating those uh, industry plant allegations. I, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> I think I can name one of that girl's songs. And hey, listen, but Lotto got the heat for. Lotto got all the smoke for. That just feels like jealousy at this point. Um, yeah, like movie trailers, like in our separate category, like Deadpool, uh, Twisters, like you said, like. I, I, I sent it to the group, but it's like Twister is like the first time where like I'm being old and like get off my lawn because it's like <laughs> like to me the original Twister is like a perfect movie. Like it doesn't need a sequel, it doesn't need a reboot. It was perfect as is. Like just just leave it and let it be what it is. It's like Back to the Future. Like we don't need we don't need another. <laughs> Dude, uh, we do not need another Back to the Future. We don't need another Twister. Like, just leave it be. Like, quite a skip. We're probably gonna watch it at one point because it's like, okay, does it does it stack up? But it's like, it, and it's not gonna take anything away from the original. So like, that's when people are like, oh my god, you're ruining my childhood. It's like, no. But it's just like, just leave it alone. Come up with something different. Come up with something new. Come up with a new Twister. Like, don't just remake Twister. Like. I will say like the first two Sharknados I was in it, like it's so bad it's good it's a cult classic once they, yeah once they 
got to like five or six. I'm like, yeah. I think good, Kurt Angle was in four. When he was still at his prime. I think I think uh Perk Kurt was in <laughs> Shark Tank four. But no, nah, that's that's, that's all good. Um, no, the Super Bowl. Yeah, anything good. else on the on the on the corporate bowl? Nah, bro. I just I just hope our, my theme is in there next year. Yeah, I was thinking that like we, in two years we'll have Super Bowl sixty. I I'm, I'm staking my flag right now. The Packers will win Super Bowl sixty. Ooh, okay. I feel like we'll be if we ain't in it, we'll be right. We'll be close. We'll be right there. Them boys is we gonna think we gonna be all right. Yeah, but fair enough. <laughs> Shell said Twister. But with it, but add nets. What great creativity! Yeah, like now there are multiple twisters, shells. Like it wasn't in the I first. There wasn't multiple ones in the first one, <laughs> which is interesting because if you go back and watch the movie, you'll notice that each they went through each phase of the tornado, the F one all the way through the F five, mm-hmm. as the movie progressed. But you know that that actually got me into like literally wanting to be a storm chaser, like fascination with tornadoes and natural disasters. I, again, I don't want to be in one, but at one point I really did. I mean, that's, be like, that's part of the job, bro. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. No, no, no. I'm saying at one point I did want to like, like. be in a storm chasing vehicle that can drill into the ground and let the tornado go past. Like one of the most beautiful things I think I've, I've seen is a water spout. Like that type of fascination with tornadoes. <laughs> well, I, I got fucked with them. <laughs> That's what Sam said. She's like, "You crazy as hell." I was like, "Maybe a little bit." <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, and like to, to my point about like Twister being like the perfect movie, it's like I feel like you can watch that now and still not pick out a single like plot hole for it to have been made in ninety five, ninety six. Like the the effects are st- they hold up still. Like the story is really good. You have an amazing cast, like <laughs> then and now. Like if you look back at that cast, it's like, damn, he was in there. Damn, he was in there. Like perfect movie. Don't touch it. You don't need like. And like I, I don't even know any of the people that I saw in the trailer. Like I had to look up because like one of the guys' faces looked familiar, but beyond that, I'm like, Helen Hunt might be back. You know, they usually they usually bring yeah. somebody back from the original. Yeah. Whatever, I get it. Again, corporate bowl, like it's a, it's a money grab, and they're gonna try to bank on people's nostalgia for Twister. Like, hey, we updated it; it got bigger storms, and now we got two cows instead of one cow flying. Bigger like, CGI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, I'm good. I'm good on the uh, the corporate bowl. Yeah, uh, yeah, it did. I, it, I know for a I say that I'm like 99 percent sure. Like, it came out in '96, because it was like one of the first blockbusters that I actually saw in theaters. It was that, and I think uh, Independence Day, that's on the same summer. Mm-hmm. Formative movie-going experiences for young Eric J. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, those were the times. But the Super Bowl was not the only... Uh, nah, I'm not even going to make that comparison. I was going to say it's not the only big event, but yeah, it was. It's the only big event of the week. But in the NBA, we did have the NBA trade deadline come and go. Um... Because <laughs> uh, I mean, like, it felt like it flew by. Yeah, and I mean, like a, a lot of people, I feel like have been bemoaning the fact that like no real stars or blockbuster trades went down. But it's like, think about like how many trades we've had since September. Dame got traded, James Harden got traded, 
Ojanobi got traded. Pascal Siakam got traded. So that's four big stars. The all stars or superstar role players. You know, like that. Like we've had a very active trade season, like on the superstar front. And like now, this trade deadline felt like a lot of teams kind of getting reinforcements or kind of shoring up deficiencies that they identified in the first half of the year. So, like to me, I feel like people either did what they needed to either they did their work early or they felt like they were good with what they had and like I really can't fault them for that like there's nobody where I was like damn they gotta make a move it's like Laker fans are upset but it's like realistically you haven't everybody was happy about like what their summer was Mm-hmm. It's like now they're trying to trade out all the people that they got over summer. It's like, just give it some time. Let it breathe. Let it gel a little bit. Like, they won the in-season tournament. So, clearly, they have a team that can compete with other teams, you know, like, that can compete. Like, they just need to kind of put it – not compete for a championship. But, like, I think that they have enough, like, to where they can make some noise in the playoffs. So, I don't think that they needed to go out and, like, make a big move. Acquire a third star or whatever it is. It's like – I think they're better positioned in the summer to make that move once they see what this team is. Like, they clearly believed enough in D'Lo, Reeves, Hachimura, um, what's his face, uh, Gabe Vincent. Like, those are all guys that they targeted and they acquired or re-signed over the summer. It's like, let that play out. Let's see what it is. Like, Especially this is the team that was in the Western Conference Finals last year. Like, clearly, there's something there, and they just kind of have to recapture it. But, like, I'm not – again, I'm not a Laker fan. But yeah. <laughs> from the outside looking in, like, I don't think that they needed to make a move. Same thing with the Warriors. It's like, this is a, champion, a championship team. Like, Draymond's been in and out by his own damn fault. But he's been in and out all season. They finally started playing the young guys. They've started showing promise. So, like, if – Wiggins and Clay can at least get back to not killing you and like adjust to their new roles. I think Kaminga coming on, Pajemski playing really well, even Lester Kiones has been playing well recently. Like that, those are they have forward momentum going this season, which shaking things up in the middle of the season may not necessarily, you know, like that may set that back. So, um, I say all that to say, <laughs> like, I feel like every, I can see, I can see the logic in all the moves that were made or not made at the trade deadline. So, Show what was your either favorite or most noteworthy trade deadline or buyout season acquisition? Um, Sheldon, to answer your question real quick, Gabe Vincent's only played five games for him all season. So, he's got to get acclimated right. with the actual team still. This whole just a, and also think about it from the other opposite side. It's like if he's been hurt all season, why would another team then go out and trade for him? Like you kind of, you got like you're betraying him at his lowest value. If anybody will take him in the first place, if they do, then they're probably trying to use some shit that they don't want. So it's like you right. might as well. You believed in him enough to sign him in the first place. Let him get healthy, and then hopefully he can provide something to you. you Got to see it through, my boy. <laughs> um, but for me, you know, hometown squad, we were expecting to be like just to hometown squad the Bucks. Just to be fair, a lot of fans and a lot of people from the Bucks side, because we had the Doc Rivers uh, acquisition and the change of coaching and 
the way the team was playing early on, a lot of people was expecting us to be really active at the trade deadline. And then based on the rumors that we were hearing, based on the news that was coming out, it was like, oh, the Bucks is going to make a swing. The Bucks is going to do something because they trying to retool and make sure the team is good around Doc. And the only thing that we did, a lot of fans were disappointed. To be fair, though, since the acquisition of Pat Beverly, there's been a lot more talking on the defensive end. Bobby has a hype man now with him. Like, hey, I'm going to turn up now. He got somebody down there that's going. And this is the same attitude that he has. And now you have two people that's going to be able to talk. Two people that's going to be very vocal, very forthcoming on, hey, this is what we need. This is what we got. And honestly, I think one of the underrated things is the IQ he brings to the team. So it's like, you mentioned it last week, Eric, Patrick Beverly, or a guy like that, or a guy that played with Doc before will be able to help convey what Doc Rivers is trying to do. Since we've had him, yes, to Jeff's point, we've had two games we're holding our opponents under 100 points. But it's been more so... He, you can see the communication is better. We were already seeing it once Doc, once Doc got implemented. Yeah, he started off on a on a road trip. There's a lot of loud naysayers about, oh, how y'all excited? Tell us we doing better, even though we losing. You ain't watching the game. Shut the hell up. Because if you was watching the game, you can definitely see the difference between us winning in spite of versus losing but still progressing. You see that you saw the progress. You seen the defense slowly getting better. You seen that we didn't lose the games because of coaching. We lost the games because they weren't hitting wide open shots. There were hella shots that they just dead legs. They were on a road trip on the West when Doc took over. Like there are a bunch of different factors, back-to-back games on the West Coast. <laughs> like there were a couple, and then we had stars getting hurt left and right. They missed like two, three games. Chris got hurt, missed two, three games. Giannis sat a game or two. Like Brooke was gone for personal reasons. There were different factors as to why we weren't winning games, and yet we were in every game except for one. So you can see it as who was watching the games. Except for the Miami game. Yeah, I um I mean I've been beating that drum all year. Like even when they were winning early on, it's like it's it's process versus results. Like it's great to win games that have bad process. Because you, the thought process being, you know, once they really get it together, then they're they're gonna take off. But like it's it's not good to watch four months or whatever it was a bad process that's not getting better, even if it was resulting in wins. It's like this isn't sustainable. At some point, they're gonna start playing better teams, and like these, this process is gonna lead to losses and blowout losses like they had against Cleveland. Um, what you're seeing now is good process and the results just haven't followed necessarily yet, but it's I don't want to say reassuring, but it's, it, you can see the blueprint of a much better team. Like It's skewed a little bit because of the last two games, but the Bucks were like fifth since Doc took over in defensive rating, which at no point under Adrian Griffin was I ever did I ever think that they would get to that point because the defense looked bad. It 
look disjointed there's poor communication like the strategy was questionable like there were just a lot of things going on like now there's cohesion they've simplified things mm-hmm. um and like again like having somebody that played under doc previously that's a really good communicator that to mark's point is a pest like you need all these things to kind of be like a more cohesive team and it, like it seemed like they got away with a lot of things because they were more talented. Right. And it's like that talent runs out at a certain point because like there are other teams that are just as talented as you that are much more of a collective unit um, right. with good coaching, with good strategy, okay. with a clear coach. <laughs> right. Like you're not just at the mercy of like, did we just outshoot this team? And yeah, results it. matter in the playoffs, but like uh, the point of the regular season for contending teams is to get your process right so that you can have good results in the playoffs. Like, I mean, hell, let's, let's let's take it back to Bud. Bud was punting the regular season at different points and allowing the bench to get their run, allowing some of the starters to chill and let everybody kind of get into the mix and get into the mode of being able to play because of the fact that, okay, we going to go to the playoffs. We got the talent. We got the team to make the playoffs. But what I want y'all to do is get our process, get our system, get our things down during the regular season. That way, during the postseason, things stick. Not just for the starters, but for the bench players and for the reserve players, too, just in case that we need to call on them from time to time. The process during the regular season is always a big thing, especially for a team that has a new talent and superstar, Damian Lillard. He's still getting his footing. Now we have a new coach again after having a new coach in the offseason, implementing a whole new system that wasn't supposed to be implemented, but <laughs> it was supposed to be tweaked, not changed. Then all of a sudden you have to go to a brand new coach again right before the all-star break. So it's like there's a lot of things that has changed. So in order for us to be able to see the results of that and hopefully see better results in the playoffs, you have to have that allow that process to work throughout the regular season. Yeah, we see James Harden cooking all damn regular season and don't even shit in the playoffs. That ain't process. That ain't a good process. <laughs> we don't want a James Harden in the playoffs. We did that last year and got bounced first round. Everybody was pissed. Let's get rid of Bud. Since our chip, the two times we've gotten bounced, everybody was like, ah, we don't like what we see. Let's get rid of it. Allow this process now to finally work itself out too. You see that the defense has been better. You see that the offense has been better. Like they're they're literally just missing wide open shots. It's not like they're taking these mad contested ugly ass shots. No, it's not like they're forcing up bad shots. You're really seeing them. Oh man, that was clean. He just break. We got streaky shooters. So like Malik Beasley was hot as crap, and then for the last few games he ain't really been hot like that. But if he was hitting the same shots he was hitting all season, I guarantee it'd be a completely different swing. So then you start bringing in AJ Green. AJ Green is a sharp shooter. He had 27 and turned around was one for nine the next game. <laughs> so, but it's a process. Eventually, the young guys may start getting a little bit more run because he start trust, the coach start trusting them. They all start building rapport with them. He starts seeing more in practice, things like that. So it's everything is a process, and I'm not one to. I haven't been, especially since he's, he came in, like I've seen different things with different players. I thought for a minute before uh, Doc signed, like, Brooke would uh, rebound anymore. I was like, oh shit, man. Brooke Lopez might actually be averaging eight to nine rebounds, eight, eight to nine rebounds again. No, 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 no. We're, we're, we're back to what we was. But different little things change. Giannis was starting to average eight to nine assists a game for a nice little stretch. Like, 
different things have been maybe implemented. Different things have been changed. Dame's getting the ball more in transition now. They're trying to make sure that he see it earlier in transition so that he could probably push the ball up the floor unless Giannis is going to take it coast to coast. You got to see that a little bit more. The players that don't have the ball, that's not typically the pace pushers, are getting the ball to the ones who do. Like you start noticing little things like that where you weren't seeing that at first. You start seeing cats. Too many players are waving off Dane early in the season. What? You waving off who? So then, yeah, his rhythm I, is off. I know. I, I, I know you cooking. I'm a, <laughs> you know, that a whole bunch of stuff. And I know, like, Camille going to get me because I'm not pushing back on it. The one thing I will say about, like, process versus results um, and going back to the bug point is that I think the problem with Bud is that he was so married to his process that he couldn't then, you know, like he wouldn't, he would be kind of stubborn and stick to the process in the face of this shit ain't working right now. Like Correct. over over the course of the regular season, like having a process down can kind of like it'll even out over time. Like the numbers even out. Like if you can do this, if you can repeat the same actions game in, game out. Like the shooting variance and the talent that you have, like it's gonna win out more often than it won't. The problem with the playoffs is that it's a small sample size, and like your good process can get beat by an outer world uh, opponent, like Jimmy Butler last year. Like that's good process because it's like he can't keep hitting these shots, except he did keep hitting he those shots. Hitting the <laughs> so same like, damn shots. Yeah, it, it, the regular season is about the law of averages. The playoffs are a small sample size where things can get skewed and then you out. So. Like I get, I get that line of criticism, and I think that the Bucks kind of overcorrected. Where like before, Bud was like process, process, process. Like Adrian Griffin's like, I can make these adjustments. I can do this. We can be multi-positional. We can switch, and we can be aggressive, and we can crash the boards, and we can do all these things. And it's like he never installed like a base. Like they never knew exactly what they were trying to do. Um, and like that's not building versatility if. Everybody's like, I, I I don't understand what I'm doing. I don't get what I'm doing. Like you need to like build in like this is what we do and this is how it branches off and this is how we can kind of like try to attack you know like mismatches. This is how we attack double teams. This is how we attack traps. This is how we get attract. I mean attack um, drop. Like you need to have those counters built in, but you need to have a foundation on which you build. And that foundation wasn't there before. And I feel like that's what Doc's been doing is slowly doing as he gets acclimated is he's trying to build a base like he's like go back to the basics do basic good i think that's what uh pat bev said when he was talking to the um to the assistant coach after he got traded he's like he repeated basically what the coach said to him which was do basic good (laughs) um which again like that the that's the stuff that they need to be again like it's a team of vets so you would hope that they don't need to be taught that but it's like you need to get everybody on the same page because it felt like a lot of dudes just I gotta take over. <laughs> you know, like Giannis was trying to, try to take over. Dame was I try to take over. Bobby Portis, I gotta take over. Chris Mills, I gotta take over. It's like you it's too many cooks. Like you got you gotta you gotta establish a hierarchy. You have to establish like, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Everybody work collectively to get to that goal. Play within the flow. Yeah, um, it's, I, so I to kind of go back to my original point like the Pat Bev pickup was a lot bigger than a lot of people initially thought and it's a lot more valuable than we thought without and it was a straight up no well, we gave up one of our second round picks and a little bit of cash uh, but 
getting rid of campaign for Patrick Beverly and be able to get a guard that can defend better, uh, has a better IQ, like, um, it helps. It helps tremendously. Someone who can be vocal, someone who can help translate for the coach, like, it helps tremendous, a lot more than people gave credit for. A lot of fans now I see is Pat Bear fans. <laughs> I think that they also, again, like, I'm not in that locker room, so this is just me looking from the outside in, but it seems like that's the type of, I don't want to say agent of chaos, but, like, that's the type of dynamic that you kind of need to throw into a locker room that's, like, I don't know. It's, it just seems like it's a lot of guys that don't want to step on each other's toes, and you kind of need somebody that's going to be like direct. Fuck your shoes, nigga. <laughs> <Like that. laughs> uh, yeah, you, fuck your shoes. Too many nice guys on that team. It feels like, uh, like even the guys that are like have reputations seem like I don't know. It just it, you kind of need somebody with the edge, and I feel like the Bucks weren't playing with the edge for a large portion of this season. Um. And like also like sometimes you need somebody like you need somebody on your on your side to kind of give you a kick in the ass at times. And again, like that's not something that they had. like you, Bobby, stop stop fucking around. You know, like Giannis, pass the ball, Dad, start shooting. <laughs> like you know, you need somebody that's going to challenge you in yeah, a you positive bullshit, way. Nigga. You need to go ahead and get your shit together. <laughs> Everybody needs that one, honestly. Like just from somebody who's played on multiple teams, multiple sports, things like that. Sometimes I was that guy. <laughs> the other times I'm like, hey, I'm the, I'm the positive reinforcement. Hey, it's all right. We're going to get it next time. The other times I'm like, hey, no. We need to get this shit going. Otherwise, we're going to lose. <laughs> like, not just you, me too, but we need to get this shit going. So sometimes so like Jeff, I don't know guy. if it's necessarily that PJ doesn't want his shoes stepped on. I mean, like, literally, he doesn't want them step on. <laughs> but, like, I feel like PJ was the Pat Bev of that team. Like, I don't think you need two because then they're going to be button heads. But, like, you need at least one. And I feel like Pat Bev is the PJ for this roster, if that makes sense. Like, things that he brings is kind of similar where he'll be your number one hype man, like, when you're on his team, but he'll be the number one irritant when you're on that other team. Um, Correct. That's a good comparison because PJ was that at the more of at the spot that we needed him at the Ford. The, the kind of the pseudo big man spot we needed that for that team this team needed that at the guard position truly yeah that's, I mean they just need a, they need that presence <laughs> period which is funny like I say that because like Pat Bev and MPJ were teammates in Houston like now that I think about it but um yeah no I'm 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 down for it like I had hoped that they would do more but like I also understand that their big mid-season acquisition was Doc Rivers so like shaking up the team further than that like maybe Maybe they wanted to see what they have first before they make the next move. Um, also, I didn't realize that getting off of Robin Lopez will kind of, assuming Chris doesn't hit some unlikely bonuses in his contract, that should open up a pathway for them to duck the second apron, mm-hmm. um, which uh, opens up more avenues for uh, you know acquisitions in the summer. So um, I think that. I was underwhelmed at first. It's like, oh, we got Pat Bev. Like, I was happy about that move because it's like, yeah, we need that. <laughs> but it's like, some more. Like, we need more help on the wing. We need, uh, you know, like I said on this podcast for like last month, like, I've been kind of out on Bobby. Like, hopefully, again, like the, the combination of Doc and then having, you know, his Arkansas bre- brethren, 
Pat Bev on the team. Like, hopefully that kind of gets him out of whatever the hell he's been going through. But I don't know. Like, I, again, like, I, I'll, I'll wait it out and see. Um, John Horst seems to believe in the roster that he assembled <laughs> over the summer. And Horst, um, we trust. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, you know, he really when when he needed to, he's made and like he got dang like how much bigger do we want him to go? <laughs> like we can't forget that. And I think people forget that when it came to the trade deadline. Like, no, we need to make another. Like that was a big ass move, bro. Oh no, no, no. like if, I, if the price was low enough, like sure, take a flyer on Dejounte Murray. But I wasn't expecting anything like that level. I just want like there to be like kind of more. I don't know. It just felt like the bench has been an issue this year and trying to fortify that to a, de- a degree. But I guess you could say the same thing that I said about Gabe Benson, where it's like, okay, if we see that Bobby and Pat, I'm going to have to start saying white Pat and ba- black Pat. Um, <laughs> if, if Bobby and white Pat um, are struggling with the roles that they have on this team, like why would they then trade for them and give up anything of value? So like maybe you do need to rehab their value if you're going to turn them into somebody else. Right. Um Going you know, forward, you know, it's the dope part about what you just said about Giannis and the rest of the team, Jeff. That, that last two words or the last four words in the first. first quarter, we have three more to go, bro. <laughs> Things can change, and the way that Miami was shooting in the first quarter, if they can sustain that throughout the game, it is what it is. Yeah, we'll see. Um. For me, like obviously, I don't want to repeat the the Bucks talk, so I'll go elsewhere. Uh, coming out of the trade deadline, I feel like the Knicks have built a really good roster. Like they're deep, their players make sense together. They acquired Alec Burks, Boyan Bogdanovich, on top of getting OG about a month ago. Mm-hmm. Right, actually, two months ago now. Yeah. Devin Chenzo playing out his mind. Right, Jalen Brunson playing out his mind. Like they, OG is hurt now, as is uh, Julius Randle. So it's, it'll be a while before we actually see the team in its full state. But that's wild. To top say. of the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> huh? That's wild to say now. Like months ago, like we're like, ah, oh, niggas out without without Randall's, You know, Brunson cooking or whatever. Even if Devin Chenzo stay like end up playing the way he is playing right now, like okay, well, Brunson and Devin Chenzo, but you know they ain't got Randall, so we don't see them really doing too much. Look, they're doing this now without Randall. Like that, that is the scary part about the Knicks. But are it's still the Knicks? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess like my question would be. Are the Knicks? I won't say are they the second best team, but do the Knicks next? Well, fuck it, I'll, I'll ask that because I was gonna say like, do they have the second best roster? But like, we're splitting here at that point. Like, do they have the second best team in the East as it stands today? On paper, uh, I still give them number three. I still put us number two, and I still put Boston number one because. I just give Boston their due, they like their props, like they have a good team across the board. But outside of that, like I'll still give us two and the Knicks number three because they got to put it all together. Like they got well, shit. I'll give the Knicks number four because Cleveland has a good squad too. Like 
the Knicks just made themselves more relevant, put them in the position where Philly was in essence. So Cleveland moved into Philly spot at number three spot, and then shit, I feel like the Knicks may have bumped the Philly down at about number five. I mean, uh, yeah, Knicks may have bumped Philly down like number five because again, like you said, once Randall comes back, but who knows how that gels? Because they made these acquisitions and they they made this run and the way that they've been playing without him. Who's to say when he comes back in, this shit don't Earl right because he needs to get his shots. Because he needs to get his touches. He needs to get his, like, you know what I mean? Like, who's to say that's not going to happen? But they go reevaluate and be in Philly in like three weeks. Now, at first it was four weeks. I think it was a week ago. So about three weeks, three, maybe four weeks, they go reevaluate and be to see if he can come back. If he can come back within the next month or two, he'll still be back for the playoffs, which means Philly will still be a problem. So at the moment, I'll give the Knicks number three. Yeah, we're Philly. It feels like this is the slowest rollout for a season in the injury I've ever seen in my life. Like, I I think that they know that he's not coming back, but they're just trying to string it along mm-hmm. long it's enough to, hope. like, yeah. Um, but, I mean, maybe, obviously, I'm not in that room, but it just feels like from the initial reporting, like, they've tried to walk back so many things, and it's just, like, string it along, string it along, string it along. Um, like, they don't, they don't want to call his third, they refuse to call it surgery it's a procedure like it's just like so much to like minimize what his injury actually is like I think they called it like uh, uh, he has a flap or something on his meniscus they're like yeah that's a tear like they just don't want to call it a tear like it's just it's weird <laughs> they like, weren't moving the fuck out of everything <laughs> yeah, they're trying to drip feed like the, the information on his injury and it just feels like at some point it's going to come out like actually you know he had a setback and he's just they're going to shut him down for the rest of the year like I feel like that's going to come at some point again could be wrong but it's just like the reading through the tea leaves of the way that this thing is being reported it's just my gut feeling um but yeah, yeah, I don't think. Huh? They had a big win over uh, Cleveland yesterday. Yeah, like that was big. And they, then, I guess that would be the other kind of semi-big move is like they picked up Buddy. Um, but I guess if, if he doesn't come back, then it doesn't matter. Um, it, it'd be interesting I mean, the way that they, they close it out because like the East is honestly the East, East looking nice. Be. I mean, shit, you still got Orlando at number six and Indiana at number seven right now. So the top mm-hmm. eight and Miami at number eight. So like the top eight teams are valid. Honestly. Yeah, but then the rest of it is poop. <laughs> so like it's yeah, Chicago, Chicago and Atlanta. Atlanta. <laughs> but hell, hey, hell, Atlanta can make a run. Like they got the talent. Yeah. It's not like they don't. Like you got, yeah. you got Capella, Unkangu, Murray, and uh, Young, and Jalen Johnson. Like that's a good spot. They may be top heavy too, and they got Bogdanovich coming off the bench, and they got Sadiq Bay coming off the bench. Like they got seven, so Atlanta could if they if they get into Earl a little bit better. They I could. got I got more I got more faith in the uh, Zach Levine list Chicago Bulls than I do in full strength uh, Atlanta. Like I, I just don't think that team is good. So they they um, don't need to miss uh, Levine when they got Cody White over there cooking. Kobe. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's my thing. I think that I don't know. If, I don't know if the Nets. I want. I, I got. I got the Bucks. The Bucks got to prove it to me. Like they've lost the benefit of the doubt 
Um, it's funny because yesterday I texted my brother like, I feel like this is gonna be a hate watch for me the rest of the season with the Bucks just because like there's so, it, it's been so disjointed so far. Um, and then they went on their run. And I'm like, okay, they're just making it stupid. Um, but <laughs> um, I do think that they have to kind of earn back that top billing and. Again, like we've seen reassuring signs, but I need like another two or three weeks after the after the All Star break to really see what this team is. But I think that they can go on and run, so I don't want to put it out there like I'm. I just don't believe it. But like it has to be, they have to reestablish it. Like I need to see Dame hit shots. Like that just hasn't right. happened yet. It's like if that if it's understandable why he's struggling, but if he's going to be struggling all year, like this is not a championship team. Like Dame is. He's the most important piece. But, I mean, even with him shooting the way he's shooting, the games that he scored over 26, like, I think we only got, like, two or three ills. So, even with that, like, it's still, the talent is still, like, prevalent. On the well, like Knicks- we said about process versus results before, like, that shit don't matter when you get to the playoffs because you're playing nothing but good teams that can scheme against you. It's like, if he's not knocking down these either open shots or makeable shots like those are the best looks that you're gonna get in the playoffs so I don't know like I just feel like he has to play better if we want to get to where we want to go I, I believe it will happen but I need to see it first so I guess like record wise regular season wise I think the Knicks have a better team I think the Bucks have a higher ceiling Um, I guess the last thing we have to talk about is the wrestling. Wrestling. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, last Thursday, I keep wanting to call it a press conference, but it was definitely not a press conference. Hey, they said it was a pressure. They said it was a pressure for WrestleMania. That's how I'm rolling with. Yeah, it, it was the it was WrestleMania kickoff. That's what we all call it because it felt more like a pre, the pre pay per view show than anything. Um, well, they held that in Vegas. Um, had promos from Bianca Belair, Rhea Ripley, uh, Becky Lynch, and then the four male presumed headliners. Um, so you had. Roman Reigns, Universal Champ. Although I think they're changing the name of that title because I feel like they don't call it the Universal anymore. I feel like they've been calling it like the Undisputed WWE Championship or something like that. It's always been that, but it's like because well, no, like it was the Undisputed WWE Universal Championship. I feel like they stopped right. saying Universal. <laughs> um, I think at some point it's just gonna back, go back to the WWE title versus <laughs> like the World Heavyweight Title, which right. is how it was for the longest. Um, and so you had those two, you had Roman, you had the World Heavyweight Champ Seth Rollins, you had World Rumble winner Cody Rose, and you had The Rock. Um, obviously, the headline from that was they were supposed to be solidifying the fact that it was Roman and Rock in the main event of WrestleMania for the Universal title. Um, Cody was like, He's like, actually, let me get my spot back. So, like, they it does appear that they've now pivoted back to Roman versus Cody for the second time in a row, um, closing out WrestleMania Day Two. 
<laughs> given all the online chatter that you're talking about the trends and the crybabies and the whatnots, do you think that what we assume is the WrestleMania main event is that the right way to go for them at this point? Is, do you want to see Roman Cody too in that spot at WrestleMania? Here's what I hate about the crybabies. I'm gonna answer your question, but I'm gonna answer it with this. Before this happened with The Rock inserting himself, everybody was saying, I hope it's Rock Roman. There was a lot of, I hope it's Rock Roman. A lot of hype around, man, can't nobody be, let's see the head. When The Rock says, should I sit at the head of the table? So many people, oh my God, I can't wait to see Roman Rock. That's what we need to see. And we said it last week. No, not like that. Don't take Roman. Don't take Cody's spot. I feel like if it was Rock Roman, saying what The Rock said, and we all knew, Rock Roman was going to be blockbuster. It's going to be top dollar no matter what. But because it didn't happen the way the fans wanted, they pivoted to Cody uh, Cody Reigns 2, which... Sure, from a storyline aspect, let him finish the story. Okay, cool. That's still gonna be money. I don't feel like it would have been as money as Roman Rock, but now because of give me what I want, not like that, that's not what I want, give me what I want, and then flip flops. The demand now has become for Cody Roman as opposed to Roman Rock. When in essence it was reversed just a month ago. Hell, just three weeks ago. <laughs> so I, at the moment, yeah. For the fans, if you want to appease the fans and everything like that, yes. The best direction would be Cody Roman to finish his story to shut the shut them the hell up. But if we wanted to go with what everybody was asking for from the jump was Rock Roman, and they started doing it, and you motherfuckers said no, I still felt like Rock Roman would have been the biggest one if people didn't turn into Cody Kravitz. I don't, I don't, like, it seems like they booked this in the way that most ensured that this is what we were going to get to eventually. It's like, if you actually wanted to run Rock and Roman, like, you don't have Cody win the Rumble. Rumble. Like, I think people would have been upset if, like, the Rock came in at 30 and, like, he won the Rumble. He's like, I'm taking, you know. I, like they would have been mad. Like I've heard that as like people like, well, if you want to do this, like don't have Cody win the Rumble and blah blah blah. I'm like you. They would have complained that way because like even when he did the head of the table thing, like there was a loud contingent online that was talking about, but Cody, but Cody's story, like it was gonna happen regardless. But I feel like specifically booking it this way, where you have Cody win it, you have him point at Roman, then. You have him, like the next day or two days later, you start having them waffle about like, oh, maybe I will fight Seth. And then by that Friday, then you just have Rock come out and like, then it does look like he's taking his spot because like you literally have Cody standing there across from Roman. He's like, well, I ain't gonna fight you, but this dude will. And then he comes out and literally stands in the same spot that he was just standing, like he literally took his spot. Like there was, was that, huge like spot. you knew what, you had to know what the reaction was gonna be to that. 
like it was instantaneous like the people in the arena were just happy to see rock so i think that they were just kind of like but as soon as like the show was over people were like oh my god cody you know like <laughs> so it's like it felt like you were trying like either they're very dumb or like this was all done intentionally i don't know why but like I watch this thing just to watch it. Like I don't try to be like, this is what they should do. This is what they shouldn't do. Like, I, like naturally, like you be like, oh, where's this going? Like trying to read the tea leaves. But like, as far as like telling them who, what they should do, it's like this they this they show. Like I'm just watching it. Like I don't have no like, it ain't my bag to book WrestleMania. Like I, <laughs> that's just not that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to watch it. Like I, I'm assuming that because like I've enjoyed so much of it over the years, especially like over the last year or two as they've been building this story i'm like they're gonna figure it out and that was where i stood last week when everybody was up in arms it's like if they think that they can make roman rock a thing go for it like i want i'm I'm interested in seeing what happens if they would have like completely removed the rock from the equation they did roman cody again it would have felt like oh i know where this is going but like i still would have been like okay but like after the inevitable happened kobe cody finishes the story like then where do we go from there like what what's the next chapter because it's like it's wrestling like it's always it always keeps going <laughs> like there's always okay but what about raw you know like it, after every pay-per-view is like okay so what are we gonna do on raw like it, it always there's always the next step mm-hmm. and like i'm just like just let it on furl let it let it play out um they want him to which is where i stand right now it's like let's go like i they kind of planted some seeds for different things. Like, I feel like at the press conference, like, Cody, I mean, Seth coming to the defense of Cody and, like, standing up for him. Like, it feels like there's something there. It's a just point. He heard that the Rock and Roman um, will team up against Cody and Seth night one. Like, maybe. Like, I would I would like to see it. <laughs> like, I wouldn't mind it. Um, I wouldn't mind be them being tag teams. Like, I, I ain't going to hold you. Like, if they was to be the tag team I champs, like, need I, to wouldn't, bring the championship I wouldn't mind. Into it. Like it just like just for the sake of like this is our family defending our honor or whatever like you can you can justify it any way you need to like I feel like leave the tag team titles where they at because like that makes that match more you know like special for whoever the fuck the champs are now was it Damian and Finn mm-hmm. like they, they need something lose, to do but they might go. lose those <laughs> at the chamber they honestly they might, might lose not. them at elimination chamber they're going against DIY no not no, DIY uh, they're going to get strong style uh, yeah. the I mean, again, like it's a prop. It don't really matter, but it's like it's something for them to fight over. And it's like you don't really need the titles on Roman and Rain, Roman and Rock, and Seth and Cody to make that match special. So it's like, why even muddy it up? Like that's well, not I mean, what they're fighting over anyway. It's, like, it's a grudge match. <laughs> I mean, not even that match. You know, I'm just saying, like it would be At dope point, to see so. Roman and Rock with Brothers of Destruction kind of thing. Like the bloodline is out here with Roman and Rock. Like who gonna beat these cats? I don't get tied up into necessarily like who has again like titles are props so it's like it, it's something to fight over but like at the end of the day it's like if the story can kind of live on its own without it it's like like a couple years ago they did uh, Goldberg and uh, Brock and they, that like, they, had, they took the title off of Kevin Owens was like, right. you had to take that off of him. Like, it, you could have had that same match and it'd be the same thing and we good. Like, if people would have watched it, people would have been, you know, like, excited for it. And, like, you make Kevin Owens seem more important because, like, he's somebody that need, needed the title at that point. Um, whereas, like, people that are made, like, it's like, they do more for the title than the title does for them. That's fair. 
but whatever it, it again like there are there are dynamics to like the storytelling part of it where it's like okay like you know use those props to create something but like just having it there just to be, like add more prestige on top of some shit that was already sold like it's kind of wait yeah <laughs> um but yeah I, I, I don't know like I feel like it, what I was getting to was the point that because of the way that they booked it like the inevitable conclusion was that these people were gonna turn on it and then it gotten so loud that we heard Rocky sucks chance for the first time in like 20 years um like they would have shit on that match and <laughs> it's <laughs> I mean if that's the alternative it's like yeah man you, you need to pivot and come up with something different if that was the original plan um so yeah, I'm I'm fine with where it goes. Like I'm really fine with anything, um, aside from like Brock Lesnar and Vince McMahon coming back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like storyline wise, like I'm I, however you want to get there. Like I'm I'm sure like I have enough faith in Triple H to this point and his like where things are headed under him. Um, they, yeah. To your point, actually like, about the Brock Lesnar thing, you know they, huh? they erasing Brock. From history, so is Undertaker twenty two and one? I don't like. I don't think that Brock is getting the Chris Benoit treatment. I think he's getting more of like the Hulk Hogan, where it's kind of like it was here. We don't really talk about it, but you know, like they're not going to act like Brock Lesnar's Lemur existed. But I do think that it's kind of like when they make. Like I said, when they make Hulk Hogan go away, it's kind of like, and hey, we ain't gonna talk about you that much. Like we may mention you in terms of like, you know, some records that you hold or some shit, but like we're not gonna like highlight you on the show and you know they put you in our records like, just to make sure that like he that. the record holder. Yeah, like that type of stuff maybe, but like as far as like Ben Wild, where you never hear his name on WWE television again, like that's not gonna happen. If anything, it'd be Vince that that treatment, but I don't think Brock is that far because it's gross, but like I don't think he actually ended up doing anything, at least from what the the thing said. The lawsuit said. Yeah. Uh, I, I know John Norris is never gonna get mentioned again. I know. Oh boy, sure. but hey, he said he told me. He, hey, I, I was. Oh yeah, no, he's being like a bird. bird. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know something you don't know. Let me tell you about it. He <laughs> got days yeah, receipts. And next week is uh, uh, elimination chamber, so the, the build up to that has been pretty interesting and pretty cool. Like I, I think that's gonna be some. It's gonna be some match, but we'll talk about that next week. Mm-hmm. So I guess you want to talk about like where, 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 so where do you think things are going as far as let's let's keep it to the top four guys or at least like what seems to be the top four guys right now because they also did WWE did release like a trailer for mm-hmm. WrestleMania which basically had Rock Roman, Seth Cody, like as the key principal participant. So like where what do you think we're headed with that? Here's a something I literally just thought of right now, like and it's. It, it's not necessarily based on what Jeff said, but more so like keeping it at the top four guys. Let's just say hypothetically, Seth isn't ready to go for Mania. I can see the tag match happening. I can't see that, but I I can see them using the Rock to fill that last void. 
not necessarily in lieu of the title because if he's not ready i think they'll somehow some way find a way to defend that title at mania but the, because the is now involved yeah the uh Rome, i mean Seth's title i feel like they'll somehow some way feel <laughs> like a snitch but uh, uh, I feel like they'll figure out some way to get that title of defense because at Mania they defend all of them. Like, nobody's chilling at Mania. Like every champ is going to be defending their stuff. So I can see them using that to fill the void and using that as a platoon for Cody to essence for his title match the next night. Um. So with that being said, I'll say Cody Roman for sure. Hopefully Seth comes back healthy. He walking around, he hoop line, he jumping in front of the rock after he's smacking Cody and shit like that. So I feel like his recovery is on par with what they expected. And he should be back in time for Mania. Um Seth to defend his belt. And who knows shit? Well, the Elimination Chamber, the winner of the Elimination Chamber is supposed to be going against Seth. Rock ain't gonna be left out for WrestleMania. So Rock will be there. What capacity? Honestly, I don't know. Maybe it will just be a tag team match. Or maybe it'll be a, in order to get to him to finish your story, you gotta go through me kind of thing. Which I can see too. Like, not necessarily Daniel Bryan, but Daniel Bryan esque. He had to go through Randy and Batista before he got to Triple H. So it was like, go the other way around. Yeah, yeah. But he had to go through some people, his people, before he got to the champ. So, it may be all right. You want you want that belt, then you gotta go one on one with the great one. Which again is still box office, box office still a blockbuster. So, I think that they'll uh, Rock will be involved in in the title picture for sure at some shape form. But if it's a triple threat match, if it's uh, you gotta go through me to get to him, like a whatever or a tag team match to kind of set some shit up, but. He's going to be at me. No questions asked. Cody Roman is happening at Mania. No questions asked. Whether that's a triple threat, whether it's a fatal four-way, whether that's a tag team match, whatever the case may be, Seth Rollins, pending his recovery goes well, will also be involved. Porsche. I'm just excited to see what they do because Triple H will pull a fucking rabbit out of the hat. Whole show. Yeah. Looking at some of the stuff that Jeff is putting in here, which I always I always appreciate your insight, especially on wrestling stuff, Jeff. Um, so he said the tag, like if they do a tag with Roman Cody, sorry, Roman Rock versus Cody, said that does allow Rock and Seth to be protected and not do much, um, which is always kind of like the side eye for like Rock doing a solo match. It's kind of like, bro, the last time you did that, you tore like your entire guts. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe <laughs> like having him in the tag does kind of allow him to ease his way back into the ring without having to um, you know do a 25-30 minute main event match uh, and obviously if Seth is only somewhat healed by then then that allows him to not have to again carry a 25-30 minute main event match so I do like that um Although the thing I wonder is like, does that kind of like if your night two main event is then Roman and Cody like having them in a tag team match and fight each other like literally the night before, does that kind of kill your main event? So we'll see. I don't know. Like it, 
Like it does seem like Cody's not Cody. Jesus Christ, there's so many white people names in this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, just, it seems like Seth's promo yesterday was more direct shots at the Rock than Roman even. So like I do wonder if ultimately I think they they don't necessarily know at this point. Like it seems like they're kind of doing it on the fly a little bit. Um, but I could see where it's either the tag match or it is they just do the swap where they essentially do Rock Rollins um, for the world heavyweight title. But like if we take what you said, Tim, which is Cody has to fight the Rock first before he gets to Roman. Like then if Roman loses the title, that then sets up like a head of the table match in Saudi to Jeff's point for Rock and Roman. That does feel like an ultimate main event for a Saudi show. Like, I'm sure, like, The Rock will get paid out the ass to do it. So, or Rock could screw Cody. I mean, screw Roman at Mania. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think that coming, like, if he loses the title, he's going to blame The Rock. He's like, everything was well and good until you came around. You were supposed to take him Mm -hmm. down and you ain't do it. And blah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you can create a story, you can create tension out of that without, you know, like, really having to put that much effort into it. Or, you know, like if the Rock is like the, the special guest referee and it seems like he's there to just screw over Cody and then he counts the one, two, three, or he turns on Roman at that point. Like, you know, it's, it's a lot of the stuff that they can kind of do. Like I said, they, they they put themselves in a position where like they have a lot of options. Um, what I do wonder is like how Punk's injury at Royal Rumble kind of threw a wrench into things. Like I wonder where they were going before this. Because clearly they've had to kind of pivot away from what was the obvious Seth match, right? You know, a month ago or whatever it was. And I don't know. Punk talking shit about the Rock when Rock was in the background. Did you see that? He was like, was- if I was Cody, I wouldn't let that happen. I slap, I slap Rock right in the face. Rock in the background looking. <laughs> that was I, that was still gold too. Like just the little things. Like these cats are so professional with it and so cold with it. Like you added the most electrifying man in sports entertainment. Shit, hell, in entertainment. Even though he be, I heard he be burning shit down like Seth Rollins. But yeah, the most electrifying man in entertainment to the WWE again. Like during WrestleMania season, the possibilities in essence is endless. Like it should be, yeah. it's gonna be a fun to all those trying to dictate what the hell is going on. Just enjoy the ride. That the rock is gonna take your candy ass on, like he said. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, it, it's really interesting. We'll see. Like, WrestleMania rarely disappoints. So, actually, we came full circle. <laughs> like, the mystique of WrestleMania is still, it's still what it always was. I mean, Jeff said, like, Having two nights kind of loose. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. But like, yeah, I can I, see I feel like, from your perspective, like, like how that would be. But it's like they were doing eight-hour shows before, so now you just get two four-hour ones. Starting at four and ending at eleven, <laughs> which is much more and like, oh, that's why I was gonna ask, and I wish like the other two were here because I would, I would love to know their perspective on it. But like with WWE going to Saturday night pay-per-views. How would you feel if the Super Bowl was on a Saturday instead of a Sunday? Like that really allows people to turn up and enjoy yeah. the night and then like recover on Sunday as opposed to having to come back, you know, like because the game don't what? end until super late. Like I just feel like it I, I get it, it's any given Sunday, so like it's it like Sundays are built into 
wrestling, football, I mean, like on a fundamental level. But I feel like a Saturday Super Bowl would be much more enjoyable from oh, a viewing and like you can get people together more on Saturdays. Yep. Kids people can stay up late on Saturdays. Oh, you can find a babysitter on a Saturday. Although hey, it's a hey, Super Bowl, so everybody gonna be watching it. But don't matter. They can be all the grandparents watching the damn game. <laughs> we can't get. But like that's my point. Like I, I just feel like that's something that the NFL needs to explore at least. And I feel I don't know. Like with the way wrestling is obviously different, but like I feel like with the way that wrestling fans pretty much immediately adapted to like, oh yeah, Saturday, keep it Saturday, Saturday, please make like, the Super Bowl great they were again. Talking about going back to Sundays, and people were like, no, absolutely not. Um, like, like again, the drinking aspect. Like, I just feel like a Saturday. Like, can you imagine if it was in Vegas on a Saturday night? Boy, they'd have had so many different parties lined up. They'd have had some like more parties, not not just the ones they had set up. Was cats was flying back out on Sunday. <laughs> hey, I gotta catch this flight after this game. But first thing Monday, they catch the red eyes Monday morning. Party. Dude, the Super Bowl after parties would be crazy. The fucking betting will go crazy. Like the MGM be packed. The uh, Bellagio be packed. Like all of them. All like it would just. Let's do Super Bowls on Saturdays. You sold me, Eric Check. You sold me. <laughs> you sold me. Let's do Super Bowls on Saturdays, bro. Turn up. It really, I was born out of the fact that like my boys were like hurt on Sunday. I'm just like, bro, I'm trying to watch the end of this game, and now I gotta get up and go to work tomorrow. And I gotta start getting like y'all ready for school and all these. It's like this would be much better if this was a Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's start let's uh let's start beating the drum for Super Bowl Saturday. Make it a hashtag. I'm with it. <laughs> Send it to the Rock. <laughs> He'll probably call it a SmackDown Saturday Super Bowl. Something like that. Crybaby, you ass. You know what I mean? Like yo, like yeah. Also, quite as kept Cody Crybaby. That's some weak ass shit. Like, <laughs> like that is that was so corny. And he thought he, he thought he got a bar off. Take two chicken McNuggets. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, but yeah, that is our show for the week. Um, again, Camille and Laura willing, Camille and Ken will be back next week. Um, hopefully, we did them proud. Um, hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. I again don't have any words of wisdom. That is Camille's bag, so I will just reiterate: please wash your ass and wash your hands. For sure. Um, you know, it, it's it's February in Wisconsin, so the weather can be on any end of the spectrum. <laughs> so, like, the best way to protect yourself and the people that you care about is to practice proper hygiene. So. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BucksBurner. Um, Camille's on Twitter, Instagram, PSN at Camille Monet. Ken is on Instagram at Everyday underscore Gentleman and on Twitter at KHarris216. Although I don't think I've seen that dude tweeting forever. So <laughs> I don't know if it's actually active, but that's his that's his place. Um, Ken, what you got? I mean, tell me what you got first. And it's your boy, T-I-M-K-I-N-Z, the number three, a.k.a. Ass Ketchum, a.k.a. Mr. Give It To Me. Super Bowl Saturday. Super Bowl Saturday. I'm with it. I'm with it. Start the campaign. Bang the drum. We'll see y'all next week. (laughs) Bye, y'all.
There you go. Thank you for watching. <laughs> All right. Peace out.